Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Dan, you have been scouring the internet, the news wires for disasters, and then you're going to make us feel better with puppies. But let's tear us down first. Yeah, we got to go low before. Disaster number one. Disaster number one, uh, the latest uh, moon lander from the United States, Mm -hmm. crashed over the Pacific Ocean today, burnt up to a crisp. Uh, Peregrine one, it was called, suffered a propulsion fault that scuppered. That's a great word. Uh, that's good. Highly underused word. Scuppered any prospect of a lunar touchdown and was commanded to destroy itself instead. The private operator, Pittsburgh-based Astrobi- Astrobotic, directed the craft into Earth's atmosphere to burn up. A tracking station in Canberra, Australia, confirmed the loss of signal with Peregrine at 2059 GMT. Little or no remains of the Peregrine were expected to survive intact to the ocean surface. And even if they did, they should have impacted far away from any population. Astrobiotic's goal had been to deliver five NASA instruments to the moon's surface to study the local environment ahead of the return of astronauts this decade. Mm. But Astrobiotic's mission was in trouble almost as soon as it came off the top of its launch rocket on January 8th. It can, though, console itself with what it did manage to accomplish in difficult circumstances by continuing to operate Peregrine in space for more than 10 days. One of the engineers said space exploration is a learning game, especially at this stage, and we shouldn't look at this as a failure. No. We should look at this uh, as an incredible engineering success. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, that's like when Elon's rocket you know, spun out of control and blew right. up and they were all cheering. Well, and, you uh, have to fail sometimes to I, learn. I guess. The real, the real disaster here is that part of the payload of this thing right. was the remains of five people that were going to be living forever on the moon and now got burnt up in the cinders. Yeah, over. they were burnt up anyway. Well, I mean, that's true, but. That's a a bummer. (laughs) It's a bummer. Yes, it is. Disaster number two. Mm. This story happens every year, and I'm not going to lie. It amuses me every year that we do it. I'm sorry. It just does. Yes, Jason. Mm -hmm. Falling iguanas are in the forecast once again in Florida. I knew you were going to do this. (laughs) I knew it. I love this story. Some of the brutal cold that's enveloped most of the nation recently will finally make its way to South Florida this weekend, where temperatures could dip into the low 40s. A chilly reading in that subtropical climate, of course. The cold blast could immobilize iguanas and cause them to fall out of the trees. Here's the sound effect. Go. That's an iguana falling out of the tree right there. You're very welcome. (laughs) The lizards start getting sluggish in temperatures below 50 degrees and are known to, quote, freeze when temperatures dip into the 30s and 40s, according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. See, now, you you know, you're all funny with the sound effects. And then we're going down to Fort Myers in a month, and if it gets cold and an iguana falls on your head, you're not going to be so so funny, are you? Falling iguanas. So, I love it. still pretty funny. It's still pretty good. It's just yeah. funny. Yeah. That doesn't hurt the iguana. I mean, No, I'm, they're fine. And where they fall, I well, guess. Well, they, they can cause problems if they fall, like, on your dog. Well, that's just what I'm saying. It depends on yeah. where they fall, but, I mean, yeah. iguanas. But generally, the iguanas are going to be, be I do wish I lived in Florida because it would be awesome. To be like a local news person, and you're yes. like, we're under a falling iguana alert tonight. 
Winter weather falling iguana warning. Would you think they'd send somebody out to stand under a tree that you know, normally has iguanas <laughs> in it? Hope the iguana they could catch. Yes. Them. Oh, I hope Iguanas so. falling. Uh, Jason, disaster number three. Okay. Drinkers of Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, Bush, and Stella Artois might have to test another brand. Quote, without a contract by February 29th, there won't be any beer come March. <laughs> What? According to the Teamsters Union, which represents 5,000 workers. That is true. That's a big issue. 5,000 workers at 12 Anheuser-Busch breweries in 11 states. Yeah. Workers are now demanding higher wage increases as well as improved pension contributions and job security assurances. The union says Anheuser-Busch hasn't returned to the negotiating table since November 16th, two months after bargaining began when workers refused to budge on job security. Quote, Van Heiser-Busch's executives can't get their act together to negotiate an agreement that respects workers. We will see them out in the streets. Yeah! Says Teamsters President Sean O'Brien. I don't think we brew any uh, AB here. No, no, but if you're a fan of any of those brands. Yeah, you get Stock up, baby, because you don't know. Very, uh, that is, that would be a disaster. It would be a disaster for sure. It would indeed. Especially ahead of the Super Bowl. So we had iguanas falling. Yeah. We have Moonlanders crashing. And uh, no Bud Light nope. for you, potentially. Nope, nope. So you know what we need, Jason? You know what that means? Yeah. It's time for some puppies. Aw. I, I need a puppy. Yeah, we'll see what you say when you get done. Because you always, you're, you're happy-go-lucky, and then I start, the, and I do the puppy story, and then you're bagging on it the whole time. Well, so. we'll see what it is, right. and then I'll decide. <laughs> this is a story out of Tempe, Arizona, at the Lost Our Home Pet Rescue all was sound in the middle of the night until one of the rescue dogs. Very literal, named, literal named, name of the pet yeah, rescue. Right. Yeah, all right. One of the dogs named King decided it was enough, that enough was enough. <laughs> the alarm went off. It was like, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I immediately looked to see what was going on and couldn't find anything happening, and then I saw the mess, and it was like, oh, my God, mm. said Lost Our Home Pet Rescue founder Jody Polanski. That oh my was footage of King breaking out of his kennel <laughs> and even trying to get his friends out to join the party. Sure. After managing to open a closed door, King decided he needed some food and drinks, which of course made yeah. a little bit of a mess. King was eventually busted by a Tempe police officer. <laughs> the police actually came because he set the alarm off and it kept going off over and over again. Nicknamed as Mr. Clean, the Tempe officer who wishes to remain anonymous got King back into his bed and ended up cleaning up the aftermath of the dog's festivities. The owner says she was looking at the footage the next morning, and he's like, I'm like, how is that possible? I had no idea the officer was going to clean up, and I saw it, and I was just like, wow, amazing man that he did that. <laughs> A night that King won't forget, and surely the police officer won't either. The Lost Our Home Pet Rescue says they're also in need for large dog fosters. <laughs> You really King, have to throw it a party. Yeah. Throw it a rager. The the video of this you go, King. that they posted on their Facebook page, the yeah. Lost Room, is is pretty funny. It's pretty good. I had a dog, uh, Baxter, who is also an escape artist. Yeah. We had to put like clips on on the kennel because he would use his nose to like open the door. Smart dog. Smart dog. Yeah. That's the thing about smart dogs. Tough. Tough for the owner. That's right. <laughs> like smart children. It's all the same thing. Challenge. Yeah, challenging. That's three disasters and puppies, Jason. Very nice, Dan. Excellent stuff. Thank you. Heather Brown. You know, I did a segment. I don't know if you ever heard of this. I did a segment called Good Question 
uh, on Channel 4 a long time ago now. It's been more than 10 years since I did a good question. And Heather has been doing these segments on the 10 o'clock news uh, ever since, starting in 2013. Last night was her last one. She'll join us in just a minute to talk about why the change is happening and what her favorites were. Stick around here on CCL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.